Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Almost Famous, the podcast where I explore the subject of fame by talking to people who've experienced it themselves and ask them how it has affected their own journey as well as the lives of those around them. My guest today is musician, writer and actress Rebecca Lucy Taylor. Rebecca was lead singer of Sheffield indie band Slow Club. Forming in 2006, the band toured the world and released four critically acclaimed albums. In December 2019, a documentary called Our Most Brilliant Friends came out, charting the band's troubled final tour together, which has been described as an intimate and unflinchingly honest portrait of the band. In 2017, Rebecca decided to break out on her own and started an experimental pop project, thank you Wikipedia, called Self Esteem. The debut album, Compliments Please, was released in March 2019 and saw Self Esteem nominated for the Best Breakthrough Act at the Q Awards that year. Rebecca has also moved into writing for stage and screen and has been developing a play for the Almeida Theatre and has appeared on TV shows including Sunday Brunch, The Al Jones Show and House of Fools. So, a very busy woman. Let's give a huge, almost famous welcome to Rebecca Lucy Taylor. Rebecca, hi. Hi. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I should say, first off, uh, Rebecca and I have known each other for years. Very, very, very good, amazing, talented brilliant friend of mine I just said before we started recording that I've never been so shy doing one of these and I feel like it's something we should probably talk about why is that how does that even work because I think that you're still in love with me that's fine it's definitely heart-based there can be nothing else (laughs) and I make most men feel like this I'm afraid don't be afraid about it Uh, being open about it is the key um I always ask my guests how was your intro did I miss anything out no it was cool it's cute that House of Fools the 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 two lines that I got cut (laughs) from House of Fools made it in you can see me me revving up for my line in it as well I'm like come on first paid acting job BBC yeah give it to me and then it cuts (laughs) well listen Rebecca as you well know I texted you today saying which tv shows have you been on and you did write that so I then included it I was a joke and now it's made the intro but it is true I got 500 pounds in a week's work well that is some sweet sweet dollar there and it's Vic and Bob that's a very credible tv thing to have been on yeah I, I, I show off about it still this is um this is our first almost famous first remote recording I'm in my um open plan kitchen living room in Walthamstow, uh, obviously due to COVID-19. How are you? How's your isolation? Where are you? Tell us all about it. What's going on? Um, I'm in my childhood bedroom in Sheffield. Describe it. Describe it. It's just the walls are thick with my tantrums, my sadness, my woes, my tea, my growing pains. Uh, I can't sleep. Uh, no, it's fine. And I'm glad I got up here when I did because I was in LA when it all kicked off. 
flew back sort of quickly because I was scared of getting stuck out there and then I got to London and didn't really want to get stuck in the I, I live in like quite a small flat with no with housemates and like no outdoor bits so yeah I got on I got I felt like I got the last train out of town yeah. and I've been up here since but I'm actually like it's just like one of those things like I'm having a perfectly okay time I'm pretty socially awkward and have quite a lot of stress around having to go to things anyway so if you take out all the you know thousands of deaths and, and devastation I'm fine with this but obviously it's awful and I would quite like it to be over yeah how do you think it's realistically how do you think it's going to affect your your music your career yeah I mean I am trying not to think about it really I was lucky because like you you go in cycles so sort of like write an album make it you, you you get it in the can like six months before it comes out and then that six months is like videos photo shoots loads of like gubbins where you're trying to work out what it'll be live and so I, and, and then it comes out and then you have to like do a good year and a bit of touring and I was just at the end of that for my first album anyway going into the writing you know being hunkered down a bit anyway section of album two so yeah, if this had happened last year when my, you know, absolute life's work and like careered towards this May, f um, March 1st release date, yeah, I, I don't bear thinking about it, to be honest. But um, so, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of day to day, this is okay. And I'm just doing the same amount of work as I would be doing anyway, just writing. But um, uh, like next year was meant to be my big festival year like all these things got coming to play I think the music industry will really struggle uh but I keep reading those hopeful articles about how it will struggle like in a good way and it'll it'll mean restructuring of how people make money from it because because it's a really shy industry <laughs> like hmm. the, the the odds are over, you're as the artist like you're you're earning the least all the time so it's loads. It's not like it was a glistening, beautiful, bountiful uh, way of life, anyway, for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my um, my parents were both musicians and never had to deal with the realities of, uh, and my brother was as well. Uh, the the realities of what music is now in terms of how little you make because everything's being downloaded and streamed compared to, you know, even though my mum only had like one number two single, dare I say. It, uh, she made enough money off that. She made enough money off that genuinely to probably put me through school. <laughs> so it's different. Yeah, I I go through this all the time. Like, had I had I written what I've written and sort of performed how I have twenty years ago, I'd be I'd probably be successful and have plenty of money. <laughs> I, I like I started making music the felt like the year like iTunes came out and iPods became something that everyone had so I've never know I've never been in the industry when it's been uh yeah you make loads of cash and, and everyone's having a fantastic time and parts of cocaine like it's been really I've, I had to always do it for the love of doing it not because it, I thought I was gonna make loads of money and swim in it and in a in a way do you ever think that it's almost better that you didn't have a taste of that? So say the first couple of years had been that and then suddenly it dropped off a cliff. Oh, big time. Like I, I, I measure all of it by, I, there's so many people I know, so many people have made music, very few 
that started when I started are still doing it now. I mean, it's because it is ultimately really futile and, and logically you start to feel a bit just so exhausted by it. And it gets the better of me a lot, a lot. Like it's a bit in bane of my life, but I still feel like there's a sort of hunger in me and something to say. But yeah, I saw a lot of bands when we when slow club first started we toured with hell a lot of bands that had like really nice vans and four four crew members and they were like living it up and you know all of them don't exist anymore because because it got taken away so i i always just sort of joke it's not really a joke it's like the absolute truth is that slow club we were always on this very very gentle climb upwards and we never actually like bombed back down ever but we never hit any heights <laughs> But we just I've just been this like snail pace gradual climb and I feel like self-esteem's sort of carried on where I left off and and I see now after loads of therapy that that's been a much better thing for me than any sort of like mega stardom to fall from because because it I don't know it keeps me getting out of bed and keeps me wanting to do it I don't know yeah keeps you hungry like you said okay so I ask every guest we have this um I feel like I know what you're going to say but I'm very intrigued by it are you famous, Rebecca Lucy Taylor? <laughs> Absolutely not. To a very small niche hmm. amount of people. But why isn't that fame, though? Do you know what I mean? So in my head, my, my argument straight away was going to be, well, I'd argue that in Sheffield and certainly amongst the kind of indie fraternity of the last decade or so, then absolutely you're, you know, not only famous, but someone people probably aspire to be or look up to or definitely want to sleep with so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if, if you're not fame if you're not famous or you can't describe yourself as famous then what is fame um yeah no it's a, it's it's a great question it's something that i keep coming up against personally i ask i ask myself a lot my management asked me like what is it you want like i think it's a real misconception about me that i want to be famous um I want to be like very successful hmm. and I want to be able to all the things I want to do that's like a joke about like I want to be on Strictly Come Dancing and things <laughs> I would clean up like I would just be so good at it like that's what pisses me off is there's a certainly in indie music there's a level of notoriety you can get to where you probably would get booked on tv shows and things like that and it's not that I'm genuinely I don't want to be papped in the supermarket or anything like that but there's just this whole sort of circuit that I know I would be brilliant on <laughs> and I'd enjoy loads and I'd get paid like it, it so the, the sort of goal is to crack is to get to a level that would mean I can enjoy being you know opportunities that would come with being known a little bit more mm. just because I love to work and, I, yeah. and I'm adaptable and I really enjoy it um and that was born really out of when I was in a band with somebody else who really hated all that sort of thing. Um, it was quite hard to, even in interviews, I enjoy him and I, and, I, and I was good at him and having to sort of squash that about myself for so many years, like, like more than ever, I'm like, let me just be uh, on stuff and good at it. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really, it's yeah. a big question all the time. Like what, why do I want it so bad? And, I, and I, I don't really have an answer. Yeah, you've talked in, in doing my prep for this, Rebecca, you've talked in quite a few interviews about uh, using the term making it. And actually that's a term that pretty much all my musician friends from down the years who've, who've been in bands or, 
or been singers or whatever have talked about making it is is that what you're talking about then making it not necessarily being fame but being successful at what you do so much so that it opens doors for you to do potentially other creative stuff that you have in your head yeah big time and like I mean, the only music sh- TV show you can get on, apart from Jules Holland, that rarely is shooting anymore, is Sunday Brunch. <laughs> and I've been on it twice, and I'll probably go on it again. It's like, there's no... Music industry got so, like, the just top of pops when CD UK, all, all those things that were bands were on those shows, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. I don't really get it, because nothing really replaced it. Like, But people just digest music when they want, in the way they want to. and so all you can do is make it small as possible. So I'm like, right, well, what? But like, as small as possible in your brain. So I go, every time I'm getting carried away, I'm like, I see Rita Ora on something. <laughs> and I'm like, why isn't that not me? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I genuinely do have a bit of a complex about those sort of pop girls that are really famous, like, bother me because I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> but, um, but then I have to go, okay, well, hang on, why am I doing this and what do I love about it? And it is the making and the creating and the art of it. it isn't It isn't having my makeup done and being on the telly. Like, But, the, but there's a big, like, Veruca salt part of me or whatever that's like, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't, I genuinely can't say it's because I want, I want to be really famous. It's because I want, I just enjoy that shit. I love it. I love how daft it all is. Yeah, and then, but also it's, full circle because being able to be on things like that would then bring more people to listen to your music exactly yeah and I I mean you're talking to me when I haven't I'd love to have a very like nice succinct end to this chat which is like a that you can wrap up with a bow and be like and I've had so much therapy that I can absolutely say I'm calm and okay about all this but I'm 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 trying to be I've identified that this is the problem with my mental health a lot of the time is I make art, I perform it, I put it out, I don't get much money back and I don't grow in in terms of profile. So what what shall I do? Shall I stop doing it? No. So what so how do I feel okay about it? I don't know yet. But it's not it's not that you don't grow in profile, because you absolutely do grow in profile all the time and you're getting bigger, but are you naturally saying that you don't get the jump in profile that you want? Yeah, I guess so. That's what I mean. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And I'm, I'm wary of sounding like a little bitter, like old old cow, which I am. <laughs> but I don't want to sound like one. Um, yeah, I just have to bring it back to the art. And I think I think it's the expectation of people around me as well. Like, I got to the end of the campaign for the last record, and I'd, I felt really relieved to have finally been seen and listened to. And uh, my my point of view was not only like had been allowed to happen but also people liked it and I felt amazing but you know didn't sell many records and the, the sort of posh record label our mom had to had to like think twice about doing my next record and things like that and it was just this horrible like, <laughs> like dragging the rug from a, underneath me moment but hmm. Uh, what I do, I go back, I look at like performance artists and things like that. And like people that really, really fucking make art for just because they need to make art and because that's their lives. And there's a big part of me that feels like that. And I just have to remind myself of it. <laughs> and also I wonder if in reality, when we're having this conversation, which is when you are um, 
literally isolated away from the stuff that you want to be doing means that it's natural that to some degree you're not getting the regular kind of boosts of endorphins from um, being in the studio writing a new you know writing a new song because you know you have to keep them going for the second album stuff like that and so it's easier to think maybe in a bit more half glass empty mode at the moment oh yeah and I you know me you know how predisposed to that glass being half empty I am like mm. and it and I have to have like perspective and uh, and and I and if I, when I have a moment of that I think I'm really proud of myself and really happy and yeah but it's a weird it's a weird time certainly making the next record is a is a really weird headspace because there's this bit of you that's like well I've got this vision for what I want I want to carry on in this vein but I want to tweak this and I want to say this here but then they, you know there's there's 15 people in an office boardroom wanting you to write a massive single that will make everyone loads of money and I don't respond well under that pressure yeah <laughs> but it's definitely like an old A&R trick to no matter what even if you've got five singles they say it again <laughs> about now because you know it's always good but I try every time I write a song I, I'm trying to write a massive global phenomenon <laughs> <laughs> I am I can't like, so but I just have to go you don't need to say that to me lads <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. let's have a blanket like everyone knows that that's what I'm doing that's actually really refreshing to hear though because actually I think there are so many I mean maybe I've been hanging out with the wrong musicians over my life but there are so many who, d- who would just be like oh it would be so easy to write something you know poppy and and you know listen you know easy listening easily easily listenable to or what I think we would call a banger in these days uh let's try and do something more credible and cool and whatever and I think it's you know it's refreshing to hear it's refreshing to hear you openly say, and this is one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on as well, is someone who openly is just like, yeah, I want to be big. I want to be huge. And I want to do it in this quite um, populist way. Yeah. But see, now <laughs> this new thing is happening with that, where that, that is how I feel. And certainly when I was in a band with, the, with you know, another person who didn't want that at all and the authenticity of musicianship was was paramount and me wanting to write pop songs in in that environment was you know it had its own challenges but and I sort of had my own little wins here and there and though uh, whereas now uncompromised this weird thing is happening where my version of what pop is (laughs) still isn't pop (laughs) And I'm actually like, I'm the indie uh, guy <laughs> in this scenario because I still have like some of my ideas on, they're not radio, you know, this, this constant thing with it's not radio, not going to get played on Radio 1. And when I try and write something that would be played on Radio 1, I do feel like weird and uncomfortable. But they, I, I mean, who knows? I'm on the edge of trying it out as a experiment, but also there is a part of me that can't quite do it so yeah um it it's very confusing and fuck knows yeah but i mean (laughs) gotta stay true to yourself to some extent when you're not making any money like that's the main major change i've felt is all the how uncomfortable it all is how sort of detrimental to mental health it is how Mm -hmm. hard touring is how shit it is it all goes away when you stood on that stage doing whatever you created and wanted and now I am doing that as self-esteem 
I can handle how crap it all is. But in Slow Club, I used, you know, I resented every single minute of my day. And like, that still does apply. If I wrote like some, some really simple pop by numbers song that had a, I had a big hit with would would I be happy? Probably, but <laughs> I mean, it would be short term happiness. But there'd be there'd be a a chip on your shoulder about it not having been what you creatively wanted to do. I suppose. Yeah, I've had like people with way bigger careers than me really loved my record and got in touch, and have therefore had conversations with them. And they, I've had these very sort of humbling conversations about how you know it and. They, they've got what I want so bad and they're not happy or they're not creatively fulfilled and uh, totally and things like that. And that taught me a lot. Yeah. The end of the, the end of this is always just, just carry on yeah. doing what you're doing. And I, I guess I'm privileged because people will listen to what I make. It might not be like thousands and thousands of people, but at least there are, there are some of them. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask just because we keep, cropping up to mental health and stuff and you're giving us a great picture of how your stage of your career or the different um peaks and troughs of your career affect your mental health i wonder how you think if it did go best case scenario so you know millions of people were listening to your music how do you think then the fame that that would bring to you would affect you Rebecca as a as a person in your mental health do you think you'd be able to handle it um no not <laughs> bleak <laughs> I well look who knows I can handle things a lot better than I used to so you know I could up my therapy <laughs> twice a week because I'd be so famous <laughs> yeah it is a weird link between fame and money sort of come hand in hand for me and I always think well I would be all right because I'd be able to all the things if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It stressed me out. Could, could you throw cash at it? I don't know. <laughs> like, um, yes, I, I don't know because I can already tell like that a major thing that I learn weekly about myself is that because I started making music when I was like 16 straight out of school I didn't go to uni I didn't do anything I went straight into being in a band I've never had a moment I've never like clocked out like I don't know what relaxing is I don't know I'm too intertwined with it everything about like if I meet somebody new that I fancy I instantly think you know I'll do the blah blah blahs and then I think can't wait for them to come and see me play a gig and I'll really seal the deal with that, you know. And it's so unhealthy and bad because I'm just always putting my, uh, what's the word? Like, what's the word, Barnaby? You know. You're always putting your, I was too busy thinking about how that really does work. I know, but it, it's so bad though. Because it's an argument for it being not me, isn't it? Like, who wants to like actually fall in love with actual me? Very few people. But, but that's an important question, I think, is to how much what people see of you on stage is a persona compared to the real you. Now, obviously, in terms of performance, you're putting on a show. So there's an element of, uh, you know, a, an extended version of you or a bigger version of you. But but also it's talking, it's it's singing your lyrics and, and your song. So it's obviously a great deal of you as well yeah and i mean this is what i'm trying to unpick at the minute is i mean that's my usp is like my lyrics are very personal and and i don't i don't like drown things in metaphor all the way the way everything looks is very from my brain and 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 all the rest of it and i yeah there is there isn't there isn't a difference between the persona and me really but i guess that self-esteem me on stage and like a little in an outfit dancing and singing and sort of vaguely seeming like I've got flair and <laughs> um like a slickness to me that just doesn't exist in the <laughs> actual life I don't know I don't know but in terms of what you said in terms of what you said and um you know meeting people you fancy and stuff I think I mean I can only speak for myself but it's like uh I up I would I would dream about being in a position where I could try and say to a girl, oh, come and watch me do stand-up and then they'll fancy me more at the end. I don't think that's a negative in any way. No, my therapist does. <laughs> well, I'm not, that's why I'm not a therapist. <laughs> I know, but I sit there and I go, no, I think it's fine. <laughs> but she's got a point, she has. Like, 
there's but that's what you do it's the equivalent of meeting you know of a normal person with an office job meeting someone in the office and impressing them in a board meeting god that sounds so bleak <laughs> her point is you should you know work should be something you clock out of and you go right. home and you relax and you be yourself like and i've never ever once done that in my adult life because you're an artist rebecca that's why and it's hell on earth <laughs> and i dream of not like I don't dream of it because I, I could go and just, you know, I could I could go and do it. But like, I, I wonder if my mental health would have been easier to get to grips with had I had a job and, you know, had a career path and mm. had holidays and things like that. Like, I wonder, and it's all grass is green and shit, isn't it? Like, and it's too late for me and I'm not going to change it, but it does the sort of the problems I've faced in my head uh, there's an argument for them being exacerbated by this career I mean even in the in the time we've known each other which must be like at least six or seven years we've both had we've but I mean you can tell me to edit this out if you want if you don't want me to show the realities of the dream but we've both had like office jobs that we've hated like or you've done I think some temping you've definitely been in the way I, as I remember, you've definitely been in a theatrical uh, performance uh, over a period of time that wasn't necessarily what you wanted to do, which was like a money job. So you've had experience of both sides. And presumably when you do those things, you're just desperate to be being paid and, and uh, appreciated for actually what you love doing or what you're best at, which is your music. Yes, but in a way like so like when i was a pa like the world's worst pa worst pa in london by a mile that's right you were PA. Um, you weren't temping at all that was i was wrong i apologize i don't get any office work because they're like what's you what have you done i'm like I didn't, very little nothing uh, it at gcse and i can't count so i don't usually get those jobs um <laughs> but i when i was a pa even though it was like i found it difficult after first after the first sort of few weeks or so i i I don't know if this should be in the podcast, but I was like a popular person on set. And people, I made people laugh and I was like a normal person. And it was, there was nothing remarkable about me, but people liked me. And then that was like a, now like probably rose tinted, but that was a really good example of mentally was that that was quite healthy for me in a way. That's definitely rose tinted spectacles. And I also, in, in my opinion, but I also think the reason people liked you wasn't because you weren't remarkable. It was because compared to them, you were remarkable because you were funny and you were yourself. Yeah, but none of them would like, a few of them would be like, what's your, uh, what's your band called again? And they Google it. And then, you know, that, and I would feel this major relief that they were going to go and look at what I do. Cause that gives me like, it felt like it gave me like 20 points more hmm. That's, that's shit, Barnaby. You can't deny that's not, like, healthy mentally. Or do you think it just is? And I should shut up. Well, I can't say it just is because your therapist says it's not. And they, I think, know more than I do. I guess the reality of it is it's it's her view on how it affects you personally. Maybe it's more right or wrong. Maybe it's more right for somebody else. I don't know. But I think it's just an... Ex- it feels to me like an extension of your creativity. And the fact that you're as I like an artist and creative and need and have chosen to go down a route where you need affirmation as everybody who I've interviewed on this does. And that's why they've got into the career they've got into. So why would you not, why would you not seek that out? 
that's what you need to keep going with your art and to keep creating, which then at the end of each day, once presumably once you've created something, that's how you fall, fall asleep at night. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's, there's a middle, there's a sort of compromise on this theory that I, I need to find definitely because, because I do, why do I do it? I enjoy it. I get, I can remember my, the first time I was sang on stage and could tell that people were sort of like really into it or whatever. Like I, it was at school and the first time I sang and I, I can just, you know, I can remember every single moment of that. And life was never the same after that. And I guess it that's the addiction to being uh, impressive or something. What were you and singing? I just, you do like GCC music, you play... Hmm an instrument as your part big like big percentage like a quarter of it is playing an instrument and I was playing the drums and then the music teacher was like sort of said oh it's e- e- you know it's a lot easier to get points for the si- you know singing show songs than playing these drum patterns really perfectly so I sang a song from fame <laughs> fame Which the one? movie it's called out here on my own do you remember I, every lyric I, even today yeah of course excellent and um, I still I still slay it to this day. But um, <laughs> yeah, the music teacher, he was like, "Oh my god, you have to do this!" Oh my god! And then from then on, it was like I was always in, you know, I was the lead in all the plays, and I did loads of ab drum, and it was all, yeah. And I'd, and I'd been like a weirdo, shy kid before that, and it it just that's actually a really important point because um, you had a teacher who inspired you and motivated you just by telling you you were great and and more importantly than that it was obviously very believable because in my head in terms of you know I was looking back at things I did little moments like that I think all I would have needed was somebody to tell me that to really try and push on a lot earlier in terms of what I wanted to do I mean either that or I was just shit but the importance of having someone like that I I think shouldn't be underestimated no and I'm Mr. Wright I still to this day like I thank him and my albums and things because he, the school I was at was, I was just dead lucky. It was like the music department was like, there was like now, cause I'm, my friends are teachers and things like that. And they're cool or they're like maverick <laughs> in their style or something. Like I can see now that they, they, they were him and this other teacher called Mrs. Moran were just fucking cool people who, who, who had like a sense of humor and they, and they they wanted to do interesting stuff and you know they were very inspiring and also really nurtured me and like yeah proper like and it was like a safe thing and also weirdly at my school like doing choir and doing shows and stuff that was like the cool thing to do that wasn't like lame like everyone wanted to do it it was like pretty pretty intense (laughs) um what's the word uh uh but it was just a normal school. It wasn't a drama school or anything. Nah, nah, nah. For some reason, it. But it's, it's just those those few teachers that had. They were just they were good, and also drumming was a big part of my life. So I did like, ducked out loads of lessons to go and move the drum kit. That was like, all I was doing was just playing it. And, yeah, That's and I got into like music early, like, and. And that became my identity, which saves you a lot of hassle, I think. Uh, obviously, the first series of this was about um, 
speaking to famous people's family members and asking how it affected them. I want to know how you being a musician and striving for success has affected your family. Have any of your siblings tried to do anything similar? And what do your parents think of your career? Uh, um, no, there's nobody else striving to do anything. <laughs> Everyone else in my family is very uh, doing things in the right way and right in them inverted whatever's but you mean um, proper jobs proper jobs families you know car people everyone can drive i can't drive <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the real that's the real yeah. uh, way of deciding I'm whether someone's an adult or not yeah it shocks me i'm like how do you do this um yeah and it's been like i i sort of put words in my parents mouth a bit about it i think i've been like you wish i was normal but they don't they you know they're just they just want me to be all right and then um, i think i think they're a lot happier now i'm solo and doing things under my steam because they had to watch me sort of feel very frustrated and upset a lot you know and, and now they sort of see that less so i think that's been good um no one else does anything and no one really gets it and i sort of don't like talking about it at like christmas and stuff because because this is a really weird thing that happens and I wonder if like the actual famous people you've interviewed have this but like I feel really stupid talking about what you do for a living because you instantly feel like you're showing off or like you're being grand <laughs> and this is one of my worst things is when someone else goes like oh my life's really boring compared to yours oh I just do this and I can't bear that when people do that I, I and my blood just like curdles. I'm like, no, like your life isn't boring. Like mine is like, I can't. <laughs> and you just have this like, I'm shit. No, I'm shitter. Not only do I know what you mean, because I feel the same. But then also when I try and think about it logically, um, I really fucking hate the people who love talking about what they do. And I hate them so much more than I feel awkward about talking about my you know, being a writer or a stand-up or something creative where I'm not well known for it or whatever, that I kind of try and tally it up when I can be logical and just say, at least I'm not one of those suits who's talking about endlessly how amazing his life is and name-dropping all the, the, you know, the big deals he's done or whatever. Totally, yeah. And also, I'm quite, like, nerve, get quite nervy in social situations and, and if there's a silence I don't know what to do so I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and like sometimes I'm like, I can't help I've got like a bit more shit to say about something I've done and, and, and uh, but I can't Maria bear Tourette's. it and I'm like just shut up <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> awful because I'm like well I'll, I'll fill it I'll fill it I'll talk about something I've been doing because yeah. like I hate I hate it about myself. That's because you're, you're a performer and you don't... Yeah, you're filling the dead air. That's a natural, that's a natural instinct. You're a comedian, for goodness sake. You've alluded to this a little bit, um, but I wonder how um, being a musician and striving for success has affected, in your mind, your personal relationships uh, and uh, that side of it. I guess, I guess with you specifically, because we know each other, I feel more comfortable to say, you know, um, partners, boyfriends... Uh, long-term loves etc yeah no i sort of sailed close to the wind a few times with with people and could have could have could have gone for it but there, there's this horrible yearning in me that i think it's because i've always been leaving like i've never lived anywhere that long um uh, and i crave it and i love it and one day maybe it'll happen for me but i can see now 
it was like square peg round hole sort of shit for ages and sort of still is um and it's nobody's fault and it's also not my fault like I I write a lot about it a lot of my work is about that like don't feel bad that you're not doing what everyone else seems to be doing and I've and I see it on my shows a lot I see a lot of girls at my shows they're obviously like not they're in their 30s and and you can tell that they've they've had this weight of like well when are you going to meet someone hanging over them and I guess everything I make has an air of saying well fuck you I'm going to do it when I fancy it um and people and they've and they really love that and respond to it and feel can tell they feel like really grateful (laughs) as much as i'd love to meet somebody and 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 settle down in all the normal ways um i hold the fact that i haven't really did now and and think it's i i I sort of feel a bit of a like a i want to protest for people like yeah who says you have to have all these things by a certain age and who says that will be what happiness is for you like it's hard though because i've also it's still ingrained all in my in my fibers to be like oh oh someone likes me and they want to love me forever nice one because it's never that i'm like okay for six months then i'm like oh god don't want me I was just going to say, is there an argument that your music wouldn't be as good if you were in a long-term relationship and, you know, conforming to societal norms? Apparently, yes, there's an argument for that. I hate having that argument because it <laughs> makes me very worried. Because <laughs> I don't want to just, I don't want to sabotage my life or my work. But maybe I do and I don't notice. I'm certainly not trying to um, consciously. By, but I think it's something I'm um, passionate about is, is not, it's like as a woman, like, God, what, 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 what's drilled into you that you should want and, and should have is insane. And I know men get it as well, but I think it's like it, the volume is turned up for a woman from an earlier age. Sure. And, uh, and it's, it, it's not fair. <laughs> no, it's not. And I, Maybe that's what's making me reject when someone sort of gives me all these things that I might want. And maybe, maybe it's my commitment to being queen of the bachelorettes <laughs> that sabotages it. Who knows? I'd like to see you on the bachelorette. Um, I'm just going to do some uh, quick fire. So pithy answers and then one more question and that's it. Okay. I'm going to use for these questions, uh, because you said you don't think you're famous. I'm going to use the term in the public eye because you're definitely that. Okay. So... Uh, what's the best thing about being in the public eye? Um, um, ah, fuck. Being able to like write something and by the end of the day, know that someone would give a shit. Is that all right? Yeah, that's an great. Answer? Perfect. What's the worst thing about it? Uh, uh, um, having to be, uh, watch what I eat. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's a bad answer. <laughs> okay, go again. <laughs> Don't say that. That's not good. Um, the worst thing about I mean, it You've already is... said it and I'm not going to edit it out, the... so you better better it here. No, not the not being able to clock off, like yeah. clock out of workness of it. What advice would you give to someone who strives to have a career like yours? Don't. <laughs> um, no. Um, uh, be true, be authentic and true. Say what you mean. Don't shroud things in a million metaphors. Okay. Um, get to the chorus quick. Yes, very good. Very good advice. Do you remember the first time you were recognised and how did that feel? I don't remember the exact first time. It's always pretty fun 
but now and again it's been quite terrifying like um strange older men <laughs> coming up to me on the tube and stuff and I still don't like that <laughs> final question knowing all that it entails and with the benefit of hindsight would you give up being in the public eye if you had the chance so you'd get to have your whole life as it is you'd just never be recognized by anyone I guess not pithy <laughs> that's good because the technology seems to be cutting out anyway um you were very pithy you did what it said uh, Rebecca thank you so much for coming on the show is there anything you want to plug plug your music tell them where to find it which songs are the best what they should go for etc do it uh well there's a whole slow club back catalogue that i you know i still make 20p from now and again uh i've got my first record as a solo artist compliments please and that's on spotify and all the rest of it and i've got an ep coming out on the first of may called cuddles please <laughs> which is reworkings of a few of my songs and a cover version that i love um yeah and hopefully when we're allowed to be in rooms together again you can come and see me yeah definitely so check out self-esteem check out cuddles please coming out soon one of the greatest ep titles of all time uh rebecca thanks so much for coming i've really enjoyed it guys please do press the subscribe button on almost famous it really helps us um so if you do use uh apple podcast do press subscribe leave us a comment that would be great as well uh and you can find us on instagram at almost famous the podcast and on twitter at pod almost famous and thank you for listening and apologies if there are any technical gremlins in there. Um, what can I say? Coronavirus. Fuck you. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.